I could have every passing record in the book. But the minute I leave, I'm not as important as the guy that is coming behind me and the, the, the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. What is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. I'm a big routine guy and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 big. Once I stepped on that field today, I was good, man. Welcome back to the room, episode nine. We got a good episode. Nine episodes. Like we say it every week. It's just impressive that we've made it this far at this point. I'm very impressed with everything that you do, Kyle. Quick pat on the back. Thank you, man. Even this back here. That's the best. Anyways, um, we got a really good guest this week. Um, someone that you've known for a really long time. Someone that um I'm about to meet. I've heard a lot of good things from a lot of people about him and just kind of reading up on him, doing our research on him. An unbelievably impressive all around human. You know, I think I relate to his story a lot with the different things he's gone through from from a football perspective of kind of going through the highs and the lows and different things. But he's an entrepreneur. He has his own NIL company. He's been training quarterbacks since he was in high school, you said. And he just seems like an all around great dude. Um, I'm excited to talk to this dude. I've, I've only seen him. I feel like I've seen him play for the last 10 years in college. It seems like it's one of those guys, but looking at his stats, he's a baller. Yeah. Sean Clifford from Penn state. And uh, they got a massive game this week. We're getting them at the perfect time. They got Michigan number five versus number 10. Um, but you, you know how, you know, the phrase like people throw it around all the time, like don't talk about it, be about it. Um, I think a lot of certainly, you know, in my ecosystem of dealing with high school, college and pro quarterbacks, like a lot of people talk about NIL and what, what should happen and what they should do and what I was thinking about doing. Or I talked to this one guy about doing this. Like, Sean's doing it. You know what I mean? He's not really, like, talking about ideas that he has in his head that could be sick. Like, he's doing it. He's participating in it. He's putting his his time, his effort, his resources into it, his energy into it. And uh, that's really rare. Now, he's older. Um, but a lot of quarterbacks are older and not doing this. A lot of people talk about what they want to do when they get older. And then some guys just go ahead and start doing it. And um, this is a guy that, um, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea, just like anybody, right, how many years people are going to play and what their NFL future looks like. I don't know, man. It's so many factors. But this is a guy that I think will be one of those, like, well-known, like, mogul, you know, dual threat, like, business and football. Um, the stats back it up, what he's been in college so far. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later in the in the show when we sit down with them of what he's actually up to right now. And yeah, he's a fascinating dude. He's a baller and he's got a top five beard in all of college football. Ooh, I mean, he's 24, so it's about time. You know, all these college quarterbacks are 24, 25, 20, maybe even 26 at this point. Who knows? Yeah. So have at least a beard that rivals yours or mine. He might just be setting himself up for a big Gillette NIL deal. Out, get Josh Allen out of here, get Sean Clifford in here. I mean, Josh uh, he has might- no facial hair. So this is the most ridiculous deal in the history of sports. He has yeah. a three pieces of peach fuzz on his face. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to get into him later. But uh, before we get into that interview, we got some stuff to talk about, don't we? Yeah. Crazy week in the NFL, especially with what's going on with the coaching carousel. Um, let's just get into it. Um, we got the opening drive coaches script. Um, first topic. Matt Rule out in Carolina mm. on a scale of one to ten. One being not not shocked at all. Ten being. <gasps> He got fired. Where are you at on that? Can you be a zero? I was going to say zero. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Zero. I mean, this was in the works for however long, you know, this whole season. You know, I think you and me talked about it before the season. It wasn't when it was going to happen. It was how many games into the season was it going to take before it happened. Yeah. And I think the league understands David Tepper as the owner there and, and understands how he works. And, and I think the whole, I think the most interesting part of this was, was when they hired him at the beginning, I heard someone saying this today, they hired him at the beginning. They gave him a seven year contract because they wanted him to feel like he had the runway to change the culture and do what he wanted with the team and make it the way that he wanted it to be. Right. So seven years. And he even said something about that in his press conference after today, which I thought was hilarious. He was saying that, you know, it took Jay-Z seven years, you know, Jay-Z had to start his own thing to become famous. And I was like, are you comparing yourself to Jay-Z right now? <laughs> Unbelievable in his post-firing conference, but. So disconnected from reality. Yeah, it's tough, but I think just with the way the season was going, you know, Sam getting hurt early was really tough. And then bringing in Baker anyways, Baker getting hurt, not playing well. The offense underperforming with the immense amount of weapons. I mean, I was there with those weapons. I was there with DJ Moore. I was there with Christian McCaffrey. The O-line is a lot different and there's a couple other skill guys, but your top two players, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, I would put those two guys up against anybody in the league. Those are two of the top skill position players in the league. And I think the stat was in games where the other team scored 17 points or more, they were like one in 17 against those teams or something hmm. crazy. Like one that. in 27. They were one in 27. Thank you, Jake. Even worse, one in 27. Crazy. So it was, it was not if, it was when. What, what did you, initial reaction for you, though, when you heard the news, what did you think? Somebody told me Saturday night that uh, if they lose tomorrow, he's out, like, in the locker room. Uh, I talked to all the in, insider guys, whatever. You talk to agents. This, is a, this has been a foregone conclusion. In fact, the only reason to get fired in the offseason is because of that seven-year contract. The only reason he got the seven-year contract is because David Tepper did it. And I think what we're seeing right now is I've always believed that money doesn't buy happiness. Money doesn't buy good decisions either. You still got to make them no matter how much money you have. David Tepper, there was a debacle with their practice facility that they were trying to build and the way that the money was raised. And I'm not an insider. I don't know all the stuff. Sounds like it was a shady business dealing though. Um, and then, you know, you've got... Uh, when Tepper, he started a soccer team, and I, I saw something somewhere that he started a soccer team, an expansion team. I guess it's in the MLS, and he fires Jared, the new head coach. What's yeah, that? The new head coach. It's killed. They were getting way more fans for the soccer team than the football team. I've Crazy. Seen but they did fire the coach after twelve. Fires games. the coach after twelve games. Like yeah. it's not. It's not like it, you know the coach didn't get enough chances. The whole freaking thing's twelve games old. <laughs> like, what, is this, are you supposed to win a championship? Yeah. And so. Um, this guy, what, here's how I would summarize David Tepper, somebody who I've never met, probably never will. Um, he, uh, from what I heard, he's self-made and he's the wealthiest owner, maybe the second wealthiest owner now, whatever, but he's self-made. This is not the Walton family that just bought the Broncos. When you made 5.8 billion, whatever it is, it's way, more than that. it's way more than that. So when you make billions in one lifespan, it's like, it, let's say he's 55 years old. Let's say he's 60 years old. I don't care. He's really only been working since he was, what, 25? Mm -hmm. In that period of time, if you're going to make billions, you're not doing it by playing the stock market. You're not doing it by, I bought a house for 800 grand and sold it for 1.2, and then I bought one and I sold it for 3 million. That's not how you make billions. You do it. One, I guarantee there's bodies buried. I heard a rumor that he's saying that the show Billions is Bobby Axelrod is created after him. <laughs> 
I've heard multiple people tell me that he has alluded to that. I've never heard that. That's hilarious. Well, I don't know if you watched that show. Bobby Axelrod in the show is living in Switzerland because he's fleeing the feds like in the show. That's literally what Bobby Axelrod, he's not in this. So my point is like for you to make billions, one, respect. That's great, man. That's crazy. Two, man, there's some bodies buried along the way. And uh, I mean, there's figuratively speaking, but there's like some very aggressive business tactics to be able to pull something like that off. So this is a very aggressive move, one after another, after another. The contract in the first place was crazy to give somebody seven years who's never been on a staff in the NFL. This is the thing. It's not that he's not been a head coach. He was never like the tight end coach for the Ravens or the mm-hmm. special teams coordinator for the Detroit like Lions. Like, no, never been there. And really, like no one on the staff had been. So I think it was bananas to begin with. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you look at Matt Rule's contract from an NFL perspective, I just maybe it's not in the media as much, but I've never seen it in the media where it's essentially like a buyout. He's got forty million dollars left on his contract, and they talk about like Jimbo's buyout right now is getting talked about because it's it's like eighty plus million dollars if they were to fire him right now or something absurd. But Matt Rule, he's owed forty million dollars by the Panthers, and there was a stat that said if he for the next forty eight months the Panthers owe him. $852,000 a month just to sit on his couch. And I don't know, does it work where if you go and coach somewhere else, you're forfeiting that money? Right? Yeah, it's a dollar the- for dollar, right? So if yeah. he goes and makes, signs a $20 million contract and he's, let's say he's got $40 million left on it, like the Panthers are going to pay him 20 on top. Right. Yeah, it's a dollar for dollar match. And so it's similar when, a, when somebody trades for a player. Uh, right. Um, and so either way, it's expensive. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of contract he signs, but I saw somebody say this today and it made sense to me that like letting him go this early. Now we think I I think it's late, um, but letting him go this early uh, puts him in a position to let all these colleges that are going to be losing coaches jockey and get in position and get the bidding war up. That's less money they have to pay. Um, And then it lets them start their coaching search. They can start working on Sean Payton earlier. They can start working on. Hopefully not another college coach. They should not try that again. No, um, no, that'd be huge. But you know, this next whoever the next Kevin O'Connell is, hot shot coordinator, or just coach who needs a head gig. Um, either way, end of an era. End of end an of era. A really bad era. Although the conversation around it too is this always happens when there's a buyout or coaches getting paid egregious amount of money. The conversation is why aren't why aren't players getting these guaranteed contracts? And it's kind of like a redundant conversation and it's, it's so far away from being that way because there's no cap to what you can pay a coach, right? All these players are on the cap. We're all on the cap. There's so many, I, I learned this stat during the CBA last time because of the CBA back in the CBA. What was that? Three or four years ago when they're mm-hmm. negotiating the new one, the PA came to us and they said, all right, here's the deal. There's two ways we can go about this, right? We can either raise the league minimums from what it was like 400 and something thousand dollars for first year players to $750,000 for first year players. And then that tears up every year you play, or we can start allotting the money. We can keep the minimums down. And then these veteran players who are signing bigger contracts will get more and more money. And when you look at the numbers, they literally did a vote. When you look at the numbers that the number of active players in the NFL who are making league minimum it's around like 60, 65%. It makes up most of the league. And so when that vote happened, 
most of these people voted for that. And that number went skyrocketing. And so you're not getting these guarantees because there's so many people who are just. Well, well on that, on that though, too, I was like the number two rep or whatever on a couple teams. Think about who's voting. The player rep on each team is a marquee starter. Mm-hmm. Usually making a lot of money. It's, if it's who's, who's the rep for the Saints? Drew Brees. Who's the rep for the, the Patriots? Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Who's the rep for the Bengals when I was there? Andrew Whitworth, one of the highest paid left tackles in the league. So I'm not saying those guys aren't thinking about the younger players and all that stuff, but the voting kind of tells you where they went. And it was to give the, the veterans more money, which in the spirit oh, of the deal the makes way. a lot of sense. It was the other way around because they didn't, well, they, they, didn't do it, they didn't do it with the reps. They did it like literally every player vote. And so like we oh, got, a, I'm talking, I'm talking about 2010. Okay. You're talking about a different oh, you, CBA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah 2010. No, that's what happened. The most recent one. Yeah. The most recent one. Yeah. 2010 CBA. Oh, so that's what happened in your CBA. Yeah, that's why they stopped paying first round picks a ton of money, oh, right? Because wow. nobody wanted another Sam Bradford getting fifty yeah. million guaranteed and then not being a good pro. So uh, the spirit of the deal made sense, but um, yeah, that's crazy. Gun to your head, who's the next coach of the Panthers? I mean, I I was gonna say Sean Payton to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are rolling, so Cowboys keep rolling. Um, McCarthy's gonna stay there. If I had the number one pick for a coach, I would pick yeah. Sean Payton. But does Sean Payton want to go there? Does yeah. he want to go into that environment? Does he want to go into that culture? I don't know. I think it could be. I think Tepper might want to handpick one of these OCs or DCs, one of these up and coming guys. What do you think? I don't think it'll work for Sean Payton. Here's what's crazy. The Saints, because te- he retired, technically own his rights. So oh, if he were to go to Carolina, they would want something in exchange. And there's a good chance that Carolina ends up with a top three pick. And so... The Saints are going to go trade a yeah, pick for a coach. You're in division. I'll take that third pick. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Ooh, plot twist. A huge plot um, twist. I don't think anybody knows that. Yeah, if I go outside of that, I'm going to go Kellen Moore. They're rolling on offense. He just proved that he can do it with Dak Brett, with uh, Cooper Rush. And this is uh, a yeah, head coach, though. It's different. Yes. Yeah. I think Kellen Moore's going to be a great head coach. Next thing, we're going to go to college football. Um, everyone knows that I don't know much about college football. I've been trying to keep up this weekend. I actually watched a lot of games this weekend, but it's a new segment we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do Kyle's college football questions. You seem to be in the know on all the college football. I'm going to fire off some questions at you and I want to get your thoughts on um, the state of college football right now. I think there's a lot of good quarterback play from what I've seen this weekend. And as always in college football, there's a lot of really bad quarterback play, but mm-hmm. first question um, we talked about this before is UCLA, is UCLA legit? I think they're legit. Um, so I, I had an interesting conversation with one of the coaches at UCLA. I was up there like two or three weeks ago um, doing some stuff. And, um, and the, the guy was, the coach was telling me, yeah, we had a bunch of scouts in town and they were asking me a lot of times they asked me this and they, they said, who's the, they'll ask, who's the best athlete on the team, right? Straight athleticism. And he's, and he said, my answer is Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I said, is that you or is that everybody? He goes, no, nah, that'd be consensus. So then the next question was, well, who's the best football player though? He said, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Now, most UCLA fans will say, what? We wanted him out of there. We wanted to replace him. We want this guy playing. We want to go get a transfer, whatever. We almost had that guy. Well, hold on. This dude was like an elite corner. I think he could line up for sure and be one of the better receivers in college football right now. Um, and what we're just seeing though is it's all coming together. They lost, like, I thought all their good players, they lost them. They got Charbonnet, this running back from Michigan, who's sick, and he was a five-star, and he's a baller. 
but they're not like winning because Charbonnet's, you know, rushing for 250 yards a game. They're, they're just playing good ball all the way around. And I'll tell you what, man, you know how it, like we talk about, and we talked about it with like Tyler Van Dyke, how fun road games are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's a weird one for you. Okay. So UCLA has been getting like less of a crowd than UTEP's been getting. Right. Yeah, They've been getting like, terrible. it looks like there's 12,000 people there. Okay. Yeah. They're saying 40, but it does not look like 40. And the stadium holds like 100. So it looks way worse. Yeah. So it looks way more empty. So here's, here's my like random take on this is that you go play an away game with no one at it. Bro, I think it's hard. Utah last week, think about it. Utah hasn't, even though it's Utah, they haven't played a game where there's 13,000 people at it and either team scores and there's like no energy in the building. So I, I weirdly think the lack of attendance at UCLA is like a weirdly like an advantage for them because the opponent comes in, they're like, it's just hard yeah, to get no, up for that. You know what I mean? It's like a spring yeah. game. First, first game that comes to mind was when we played Tulsa when I was at Houston and there's maybe 600 people there. Just yeah, no uh, juice. Hot yep. as shit, too. No reason to yeah. be there. All right, next question. Um, Jalen Milrow, his first start at Alabama. I actually watched most of this game, so I do have a take on this. But what do we think? How did he play? Yeah, so Jalen Milrow, I mean, no. I mean, you put the ball on the ground twice. Uh, that's a tough start. When you're number one team in the country, you can't be turning it over. With that being said, you know how hard it is, man. You can practice throwing all these routes. You can work on your timing with your guys, but it's just faster. It's happening fast. Boom, boom, boom. It's it's easy to have a, sl- a subtle mechanical thing like that. So I am not rushing to judgment. I don't care how good the team is. That is a tough, and I don't care if it's at home. That is a, a tough situation to come in when you're mm-hmm. coming in off the bench on a team with expectations. The expectations aren't to win. The expectations are to win by 40. And you're still playing against a bunch of NFL guys on that AM defense. And so I thought it was a really tough environment. He made enough plays with his legs. He made a couple good throws. I like him. Uh, I think this is the type of kid, from what I've heard, he's going to learn from this. And um, it'll be interesting if uh, he takes over next year. We're going to see a different dynamic at Bama, kind of back to the days where their quarterback can score from anywhere on the field because, dude, he looks sick. And by the way, that running back at Bama, I don't even know his name. It's Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. He's nasty and also nasty. it's tough for, it's it's tough for him to come in to an offense that's built for bryce young when he is the complete opposite player of bryce young you totally. saw when when he was back there he was first read first read where's my lane to scramble and when he got out he could run for 50 i forgot what was the yep. game they were playing last week when he came in and he ran like a 75 yard touchdown and later in the game yeah he's yeah. an unbelievable athlete and so it's tough for him. I agree. I think you learn from those mistakes from being in the quarterback position. Pocket movement and ball security in the pocket, you just you can't simulate that in practice. So sometimes you got to learn the hard way. I remember my, my year in 2019, early in the season, I had fumble issues because you just can't recreate that in practice. You literally have to have it happen. And then after a couple games, they were gone, right? No more fumble issues. So I think that's something that he'll get over and and he'll start to play well. And then next year, when it's his time to play, the offense will be tailored to him. And I think it'll look awesome. I think Bama just always gets the best out of their guys. So, yeah. Um, under the team that they're playing this week, Tennessee, their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, um, he's really in the Heisman conversation now. Do you think he has a shot at it? 
Yeah, I totally do. Especially this year. I mean, I, he's. De- I think he's got a shot to be a finalist. We'll see what CJ does at the end of the year if he can keep his foot on the gas. Which I don't see any slowing in CJ Stroud. But, um, dude, Hendon Hooker is a baller, and he turns twenty five soon, so he's super mature. He's an older dude. Um, I am shocked at how good Tennessee is. I thought they would have to rebuild for multiple years. Um, they've been bad for a long time. A lot of pressure. Um, that fan base has really high expectations. And somehow they flipped it really quickly. They're delivering on it. They're not winning. They're winning convincingly. And, dude, he's dropping dimes. I did uh, three with JP today. He was like second or third best throw of the week this the week that I saw in college football. Um, dude, he's balling. He can run. Uh, but he is a run second guy. He's trying to stay in the pocket and go through progression. I love his game. I think it translates really well to the NFL. And here's my bold prediction. He's going to finish first or second in the Heisman, and he's going to work his way into being a top five pick. Top five. I mean, yeah, he I think he's got a chance to go high. Yeah, he he's probably been like the most impressive player to me in college football this year because I mean, obviously CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, they were dudes. Like you're taking a team in Tennessee who hasn't been good in the SEC in a long time, and just who'd they play this weekend? They blew them out like forty to fifteen or forty to twenty five. Blew them out, bro. They and they're killed LSU at LSU. That's what. Yeah, it was killing LSU at LSU. And the way that they're snapping the ball like every 21 seconds. Have you seen their offense? They they yeah. put their receivers like outside the numbers. It almost reminds me of old Baylor offense, which is weird because you would think that he's like throwing it and not making reads, but they've tailored it to a way where he has like one, two, three reads and then gets out like he's sitting in there and making great throws and making great reads. It's really cool. I'm really excited for that game this weekend, Tennessee versus Alabama. Um, we got a couple more here. James Madison. So this is James Madison's first year in the FBS. I had to tell you that today because you didn't know that. I actually just saw that on Twitter today. I didn't. First year in the FBS, five weeks into the season, and they're already ranked. How crazy is that story? Dude, that's nuts. I don't know anything about it, so I wish I could say, like, here's the deep dive on the coach and why they're doing it. But, yeah, it's great for football, man. When you got a random school comes up, I mean, we all love the David and Goliath, and I don't know who else they have on their schedule, but I think it's good for football when you got somebody creeping in. It's almost like they're trying to be the new App State, you know? Uh, and I'm here for it. They've lost some weird games. App State, has, they've just played good in primetime, but they've lost some weird games this year. Also, JMU has, like, in the past years, JMU has always beaten a random team, I swear. Yeah. Okay, last one. Uh, big matchups this week. Uh, we'll hit these quick. want to get quick reactions. Don't even think about it. All right, college football. First one, number 10, Penn State versus number five, Michigan. This comes down to J.J. McCarthy. This is his first real tough, um, tough, you know, Big Ten matchup against good dudes. Now, Michigan's better than Penn State, um, but I'm excited to see Sean Clifford and see what he has in store. Can they make enough big plays? I think this game's closer than people think, and it's going to come down to J.J. McCarthy. Does he make the crucial turnover, or uh, does he shine under the right lights? Who'd you pick? I'll tell you, Michigan, I think, can beat the, will win. Okay, I'm taking Penn State. Uh, Oklahoma State, TCU. I like TCU, man. Um, I like Oklahoma State, too. Uh, Spencer Sanders, he's another guy who can, when he takes off, no one will catch him. Um, but Sonny Dykes, man, he left SMU, went there, brought that offense with him. Max Dugans, uh, Max Duggan is balling, had one of the better throws I saw this week. Um, and uh, I like TCU. I like TCU, too. I feel like Sonny Dykes has been everywhere. I've heard that name at so many different colleges. He was at Cal, I think, when I was in college. Yeah, that was Jared Goff's coach. 
Yeah. All right. Next game, number 15, NC State versus number 18, Syracuse. Syracuse, number 18. Bro, I'm all in on Syracuse. Have you been watching them? Oh, they're balling, dude. I don't even know the <laughs> name of their quarterback, but I love them. Uh, I'm all, I'm here for Syracuse, man. I, I love Devin Leary. Uh, I think he got banged up last week, too, so I, think, I don't know how healthy he is. That's part of my reasoning, but, man, I love Syracuse. I like the underdog stuff, so the fact that Syracuse is, like, legit right now, UCLA is legit right awesome. now, JMU's ranked right now, here for it. Syracuse, indoor stadium up there, too. Underrated. One of the only indoor yeah. stadiums in college football. I think I it's like still AstroTurf, too. Yeah, that's probably smart. It's really safe for the players. All right. Yep. Number seven, USC at number 20, Utah. Tough tough place to play, Utah, depending on if it's a night game or not, too. What you got? Oh, I don't like picking these things. Talk to both these guys. Uh I'm going to take SC. I, I just I want to see SC play a team that's as good or better or almost as good as them. Um, like they played down the first half to some lower competition and rolled in the second half. If they play down in the first half versus a team that's commiserate to them, then it's going to be too little too late. But uh, of every game that's happening this weekend, that's the one I'm not missing a snap of. So I'll, I think SC in a really close one. Yeah, I just want to see SE win just so we can see SE UCLA at the end of the year. I think Utah yeah. has a couple of tough losses already. Let's let's weed out these teams that are losing and keep the, the top teams together so we can get a nice game at the end of the year. I'm picking SC yep. there. All okay. right, last one. Biggest game of the week. I don't know. Is college game day here? This, I mean, it should be. It's got to be. Not. It's number three, Alabama, at number six, Tennessee. If if it's not, I don't know where else it would be. Um. Probably one of the best matchups we're going to see all year in the regular season before Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship, or if they play before then. Who you got? I'm going Tennessee, partly just because I want to see it. Um, I'm going Tennessee, dude. I, I don't know the health of Bryce Young. I'll tell you what, if Jalen Milrose is playing, that's a tough outing, man. At Tennessee, ugh, Rocky Top, low-key one of the best fight songs ever. Um, Tough stadium, 110,000 oh. people. Dude, that everybody's gonna be best that they've been in. It's gonna be juicy, bro. I'm I'm taking Tennessee. I like him in an upset. I'm riding the Hendon Hooker wave. I'm riding it too. Let's go. We we need some parody in college football. I mean, I'm just an Alabama hater, obviously, but I'm taking Tennessee. Yeah. All right. Ever since my two boys, Ford and Reese, started doing jujitsu, I started paying more attention to UFC um and kind of getting back into it again. When I was playing, I was super that was Ultimate Fighter had just come out. It was a new show, so I was super into it. Let's talk about fighting, but let's not talk about UFC. How about Draymond Green? I mean, we all saw the clip. I mean, throwing it right to you, Kyle. Was that a sucker punch? We don't know what Poole said, but like, is that a sucker punch? I don't think it's, it can't be a sucker punch because Poole pushed him first. Like, you push him, like, obviously you don't punch your guy there. Or maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what was said. Maybe you do punch your guy there. But you're pushing him. You got to be ready for the retaliation after the push. Now I'm not. I'm saying this. I've never been in a fight before in my life. But I've ran fights in my head a lot of times of how I would go about a fight. Yeah. And if I'm pushing a guy there, especially Draymond, like you're pushing Draymond Green, you got to throw some hands up to protect yourself. Yeah. Um. I'm with it. I I think it's more an indictment on Draymond. It's like there's just no way if Draymond could have done it over in his head, he would have wouldn't have like replaced the punch for a push. I would think, which just yeah. means that's a self-control issue and bad. I, I can't, it's gonna be interesting to see what the actual penalty and what the actual ramifications are when everything comes out. Um, especially like 
did pool did he break his nose does he have to get it fixed like there's all sorts of like civil stuff there too but unfortunately like that one punch that might be the end of an era man i don't know how yeah. you come back from that and you can sit here and go well get rid of one of them okay get rid of draymond green see how yeah, that goes good, yeah. or get rid of pool who's like the bright young star on the team you know people people at the end of last season like pool thought pool was contributing more than clay thompson so that's a disaster. I mean, it's not as bad as Clay and Steph punching each other, but that's that's the end of an era. I mean, that's I, I think that's going to go down in flames. You got any good uh, teammates or opposing guys or whatever? You got any good NFL fights? You remember last year? It was um, our I think it was Sunday night. It was either Sunday night or Monday night when we were in Dallas late in the season. It was the second time we played Dallas. I think we were down like 35 to zero in the second quarter. Like it felt like a pop Warner game and we were just getting our ass kicked versus the guys that looked like they were four years older than us. And Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, like they started punching each other on the sideline. And I had no clue until we got into the locker room. And so they started punching each other on the sideline and it goes viral on Twitter. And we're in Dallas. So we go in at halftime. We're down 42 to zero when we get in at halftime. Right. And in Dallas, the way the locker room, the away locker room is set up when you go in, it's not big enough to put everyone in one. You go to the right, they put the offense, and to the left, they put the defense, and it's split into two. So we're going on around to the right, and we're all looking at each other in the offensive room like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we're down 42 to zero. We really got to go out for another half of that and get our asses kicked. This is unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, we hear just people cussing each other out, everyone yelling, people holding each other back, and we look around the corner, and it's just... Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne just throwing haymakers at each other. Just and there, and that's right. what 575, 600 pounds of dudes create like probably some of the scariest dudes. Like Deron Payne, like Deron Payne's one of those guys too, where he doesn't like talk much and he just kind of like walks around with like an angry look on his face. Great dude, like awesome dude, but he's like a dude you see in public and you don't want to fuck with that dude. And one of them, I think Deron Payne hit Jonathan Allen in the ear. Busted his ear open. He had to get stitches. And then we got all that. All that settled. Everything got settled. Whatever. They separated him. And then two minutes. We got to go back out. It's half done. <laughs> right? We had 30 more minutes to play against the yeah. team that was already beating us 42 to zero. At that point, everyone's kind of looking at each other like, can we just get on the plane home now? Like, what the fuck And then Rivera on? just chirped in and goes, well, that's quarterback's fault. <laughs> mm, yeah, get to that in a second. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. But crazy. yeah. Well, that happens more often than you think. And, and for sure. For the video to get leaked out like that, like I'm sure in, in your time, there's a lot of fights too, and videos just don't get leaked in, in this day and Bro, age. The worst one I saw was in the middle of training camp practice. There's at the Bears, there's 13,000 people there with their phones out, video and everything, anyways. And it, it, this one went really viral. I mean, this was Martellus Bennett and Kyle Fuller. Yeah. Martellus, we were in team practice. Martellus catches a shallow cross. Kyle Fuller is a great player. He's a physical player, but he's a really nice guy. He's not trying to hurt anybody. You know what I mean? Just a good dude, good teammate. He was like a rookie first-round pick at the time, too. And Martellus kind of comes around the outside of him, and it was just one of those, like, I think Kyle stuck out his arm, trying to get a hand on the ball, whatever, and he caught him right when Martellus, like, had both of his feet off the ground, so it was a really bad-looking clothesline. It wasn't a horse collar. It wasn't a face mask. Just, you know, stuck his arm out, got stuck, and Martellus goes feet overhead slams on his back pops up and martellus you want to talk about a guy that you look on the streets and don't want to fuck with martellus is like six seven two seventy five oh yeah and he doesn't have any fat on his body and he's a super nice good dude all that 
but he's got a switch and he goes, he picks up Kyle Fuller with one hand by his throat and Undertaker body slams him. Chaos ensues. And the, then the real fight became Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett because Brandon and a lot of people stepped in to have Kyle's back. And then it was, oh man, I remember some stuff that Brian, uh, Brandon said to Martellus and some stuff that Martellus said to Brandon. And it was like, oh man, this is its own thing we're going to have to sort out based <laughs> on what he just said in front of everybody. <laughs> some strong accusations. And uh, it was chaos. They ended up sending Martellus home. I think he had to do like anger management. He had to like leave training camp for like two weeks. So it was, two uh, weeks? Oh. it was, dude, it was gnarly. And that was like, look at that roster too. That, uh, that training camp, we thought we were going to win the Super Bowl, man. You had Mark, Matt Forte in his prime, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus mm. Bennett, three O linemen were pro bowlers. How, how long was an all pro? Like, and then they had the dudes on D. So that was the beginning of the end for us for sure that year. Um, and one that was, took a second to, to get over. Uh, and I'm not going to get into this story, but there was a fight in college and I'll never forget Ebok Ebok, who's one of the craziest, <laughs> most fascinating teammates I've ever had. By the way, Loki is literally Jake Paul's personal trainer and the guy that does acro yoga with him. And he's like his spiritual like counselor, super nice. fascinating teammate. His name's Ebok Ebok. Uh, there was a fence. There's like our field went to right here. Then there's a fence and then the hill went down. That whole fence came down. That's how many people were into it. It was a full-on brawl my freshman year in college. Probably the most scared I've ever been in person. Because yeah, you, you run away. From everywhere. You just were watching. The normal quarterback was like, kind of watched. I was like in it. I was like in it, but like not in it fighting and mad at anybody. In it, like what is happening right now? It was, it was I mean, a bad you were program, like, bad team. You're like, oh, the camera's on. Okay, what do I want to do on film? Um, I got to get in there so at least on film it looks like I'm in there, but I can't get in there so I don't get hurt. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that's always the thought. You process. can say what you want, Kyle, but I threw a punch. Nah, but no, nah, that's the easiest Ebok. way to get hurt, man. Ebok, Ebok. Yep. Just giving him on as a guest. All right, Ebok, Ebok. We're going to get into our last segment now before we get into our guest this week. Uh, we got to throw it deep or check it down just like we do every week. Um, we're going to start off. I'm going to throw it to you, Jordan. Chris McCaffrey. Came out today while we're recording this. This is Monday. Um, all the Matt Rule stuff came out today. Obviously, the agents and all the NFL insiders are saying these teams are reaching out to try and poach their players because a lot of times when head coaches get fired, they try and trade off some of their best players to get draft picks so they can rebuild. Um, the Bills called about Christian McCaffrey. Um, if he goes there, say he goes there, that would be unbelievable for Josh. That would be crazy. But are the Bills unstoppable if Christian McCaffrey goes? Yeah, I think they are. Um, it's like, it's really like, do you want OBJ or do you want McCaffrey? And I just don't think they need another wideout. I mean, they had a rookie step up and make plays yesterday. He caught his first touchdown pass. I don't even know the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Um, had a huge like seam back shoulder he caught. Like Isaiah Hodgins, another young receiver, six-round pick a couple years ago from Oregon State that I like. I don't. I don't think another dynamic playmaker at wideout. By the way, yesterday when Josh went nuts, like uh, two or three of those guys didn't even play. He didn't even have all of his guys. Dawson yeah. Knox didn't play. What's yeah, his face? The slot receiver who's sick didn't play. Isaiah so McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie. Then the other guy who played with Sam and with the Jets. Who am I thinking about? The little slot receiver. Oh yeah, he's out with his ankle. Um, he didn't play either. Exactly. Crowder. Yeah. Yeah, Jameson Crowder, he didn't play either. So I don't think they need another dynamic playmaker. They need to get the run game going, and they need 
it would be helpful to get the run game going even more, but it's just another threat. So you look at our RPO situation or you look at the screen game with somebody who can actually score. And I like Singletary and I like Moss, but I like Christian McCaffrey better um, and money talks and, and also the ability for Christian to go there and not have to touch it every down. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he does, he's going to, he's going to play. If he played 30 snaps, he'd get 12 touches. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a perfect situation for him. Um, I don't know cap wise how they pull it off, right? Because Christian's probably making a bunch of money, but I'm sure most of it was up front. Yeah, there's no there's no cap. The Rams already said that there's no cap anymore. So no cap. Also, Capless. the way I look at it, so throwing I'm throwing it, it deep. Yeah, yeah, you're throwing it deep for sure. I'm throwing it deep, and as opposed to the the thought that everyone would have that this would get their running game started, I think this would add on to where the league is kind of going with top quarterbacks who can handle it. You look at guys like Burrow and and guys like Matt Stafford, where they just throw the shit out of the ball every game. This gives them another opportunity to throw the ball to somebody else. They don't really have that guy out of the backfield right now that they can throw it to. I can tell you from experience, throwing Christian a thousand yards in a season that he is always open. There's no one that has ever covered Christian McCaffrey except for Deion Jones like a couple times who just got traded to the Browns. So I'm throwing it deep on that one. All right, next one. This one was surprising to me. Um, really interesting. Ron Rivera came out in the media today. Obviously, they're struggling in their division right now. I was with Rivera for four years. Probably my favorite coach I've ever played for. But he comes out, and the question was, you know, other teams in the division, Philly, Dallas, New York, they're all playing well this year. They're all 4-1 and one or 5-0. and oh. They said, what's the difference on the teams? And he just said one word, quarterback. You throwing it deep or checking it down on that? I mean, I was shocked. Bro, and all you've ever heard—I mean, all I've heard from you, all I've heard from other people—like players, coach, he gets it. You love him. Like, I—I'm I, shocked that any NFL coach would say that. I'm really shocked that it was Rivera. And this is a guy that you just like traded for too. You know what I mean? We're five games into this new relationship. Yep. Um, Alex Smith had a comment on you know in the media today or tonight. Um, he was shocked, dude. He said he I felt like uh, he just drove the bus over Carson Wentz. I agree. I'm checking this down. There's no circumstance where it's okay to say that. And, and listen, if he said that in a meeting, let's say he said that in a team meeting only. That's like that's a that's a private conversation. You can say mean things to somebody else. You can say hurtful things. You can coach people. Maybe that's a way you want to coach. When you say it in the media. The amount of Washington commander football players that are going to have to answer this question and talk about this for the next, mm-hmm. not week, weeks. Carson Wentz, every interview, it's going to light up social media for the next three days. Like, it's, there's just. Yeah, imagine the spot it puts him in. They're going to ask Carson Wentz in his weekly media opportunity on Wednesday. They're going to, the first question immediately. Next question, next question. And first they're going to have him and Rivera. Right. Him and Rivera are going to have a conversation between now and then. And it's, they're all going to, they're going to blow it over and be like, oh, yeah, it's all good. But think about like when you have that quote, right? And it's just, like, I keep going back to how much it surprises me because he was always so supportive of, of me in the year that I played for him and all of his quarterbacks. And I think, I guess he's probably frustrated and tired because of the, the last five years of his career. You know, you look at Cam. At the end of his career, struggled. We lost a lot of games. Me, we played well at the beginning, struggled, lost a lot of games. Um, he goes to Washington. My first year there, it was it was Dwayne Haskins. It was me. It was Alex Smith. They made the playoffs. But there's just been so much quarterback turmoil, right? And maybe it just kind of got the best of him in that situation, and he just said something he didn't mean to say. But how does that affect the rest of your team 
when your head coach is going out in the media, like you said, not in a team meeting, in the media, and saying that the reason you're losing is because of your quarterback, the guy that you traded I guarantee all your every player on the Washington team tonight when they went home talked about this with somebody at home, with their boys, with their wife, with their buddies, with their mother-in-law, whatever. Like You just planted this super divisive thing into your locker room, and then you detonated it, and it went off. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's not going to do anything positive. You're not going to get awesome. Carson Wentz to try harder next week. You're not going to get he him already to be a little really bit more hard. accurate. Yeah. The guy doesn't have an effort problem. He doesn't have a talent problem either. He wanted to play better. There's a lot of other ways to do it than calling his ass out and hanging him out the dry. Terrible awesome. call. Checking it down at the running back's feet. I'd rather have an incompletion than that check down. That's tough. Yeah. All right. Next one. Kenny Pickett, first start in Buffalo. I, um, I, when I saw this game for him, it's just so tough to go into Buffalo, especially on your first start. A very underrated defense. They got a lot of guys injured right now, but they were the number one defense in the league last year for a reason. They played great defense, and it's tough to play there. It was a windy day there, too. But that's not what we're talking about. Um, he was chirping a lot of people. He got hit a couple times late. One of them was kind of late. It was low. Um, the other one was pretty late. He got hit in the side, and he got up pushing people around, chirping back at people. I saw Ryan Clark after the game, though, tweet, the only guy that I'd want in a street fight with me after watching that from the Steelers is that quarterback, Kenny Pickett. So you see him doing these things on the field, especially in his first start. What do you think of it? Are you throwing it deep or checking it down? Throwing it deep. I love it. You are who you are. We all, we, he is who we thought he was. You got to step into that, and you can't take any shit from anybody, man. I love it. Now, if he was complaining about something that wasn't a late hit, or if he's like complaining about roughing the passers, you know what I mean? Or if he's flopping. And then, and then like chirping after that, but that's not what happened. I mean, he got hit late. He got hit low. Yeah. You get up. We've seen Josh do that. We've seen a lot of guys do that. So I love it. I'm throwing it deep. This is not about the 2022 season for Kenny Pickett. This is about the start of the next 15 years for Kenny Pickett. So tough way to start. I agree. They have a brutal schedule, by the way, coming up. Um, They got a lot of tough games. Yeah. I think they got Philly and they got Tampa. They got Cincy again soon, Baltimore. So. They got a rough schedule here, so he's got a little bit of a gauntlet, but they still have weapons. That defense is is totally different without TJ Watt, but there's still yeah. good players on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when I, I understand what Ryan Clark's talking about. I mean, you got Minka Fitzpatrick and Gabe Davis on that sick post route that Josh threw. There's a one-hander. I mean, I don't know. It was in both of their hands, and Gabe Davis ripped it out. And I know that's isolated play, and that's a super hard play to make, but it's like that play kind of summed up the day. There was four mm-hmm. hands on the ball. Gabe Davis ripped it out with no effort. It was just kind of one of those, like, that's kind of what looks, I watched every snap of that game. It's kind of kind of what it looked like for the Steelers that day. Uh, I echo Ryan Clark. I'm throwing it deep. I love Kenny. Yeah, I'm going to throw it deep on that, too. And to be honest, I didn't really expect it out of him. Like, when we talked to him on our episode, I think it was episode two. Go check it out. Very mellow, very chill, very, like, humble, respectable dude. But he's got that dog in him out there, man. I was excited to see it, to be honest with you. Especially in a game where you're down 30 or they lost 38 to three where he could be sulking. It's my first start. I'm playing like shit. I don't even know if he played like shit or not. Maybe they just got outplayed, you know, but for him to bring that juice, I think it's something you need in a team when you're, when you're down in the dumps like that. So I'm throwing it deep on that one too. All right. Last question. Oregon's uniforms this week with their matchup against UCLA this weekend, they're wearing the pink breast cancer awareness uniforms. Um, this is awesome. I think this is cool. I remember when I saw this today. I think I saw this earlier today. 
I was thinking this is like the only school that I've ever seen that will wear a uniform without any of their school colors on it just to bring awareness to a cause or just to do something cool like this. Um, so I'm throwing it super deep on this one. I don't think you can check it down on this one, but Jordan, let's get your thoughts on these uniforms. I, I, I'm all for Oregon. I, I love when a team never changes their uniforms ever. Like Bama, I love OU's uniforms. I love Penn State's uniforms. The Trojans, okay. black sh- shoes, white laces. Like, mm. I, I love it. Um, but I love Oregon, too, who's never worn the same uniform twice. Now, I don't like these small schools that, like, all of a sudden, one game have chrome helmets. You know what I mean? It just kind of looks dumb. It's like, what are you guys trying to do here? You're like, kind of have 20% of the budget of everybody else. I'm throwing it deep. I love it. Uh, I haven't seen them yet. I'm excited to see what they look like. Um, man, what a big game, too. Bo Nix is balling right now, by the way, statistically yeah, speaking. Well. These last five weeks, he's on fire. So that's going to be a great game. Two of the best athletes at the quarterback position in all of college football, DTR, Bo Nix. Um, so I'm throwing it deep. Yeah, I like the concept, and I'm sure they're going to look ah. Bye. All right, let's throw it deep. Check it down. Uh, we agreed on a lot of those today. I think we agreed on yeah. all of them. It's not good. Yeah. We need to switch that up. Sorry. All right. Fired up to welcome uh, our next guest to the room. A guy uh, I've been around since, Sean, what, junior year in high school, maybe before? Yeah, way back into 2015, 2016. Era. Back when you couldn't have tried hard enough to be able to sprout a facial hair. Now look at you, fully look blossomed. Um, yeah, lead 11 process, uh, one of the top recruits in the country from Cincinnati. That was about the time I was playing there. You were the young high school. Did you hear about this high school kid coming out of St. X kind of thing? And, um, done a bunch of big things at Penn state, got a bunch of big things in front of you this year too. So Sean Clifford, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming by the room, bro. Yeah. I appreciate both y'all having me on, been watching it for a while now and excited to actually be on the show. Appreciate you coming on, dude. I don't. We haven't met before. Obviously, this is the first time talking. Um, I feel like I've been watching you play for a really long time, just through different eyes and seeing you on different people's social medias. I think I've seen you on Quincy's before too. And and we're just looking at your stats right here. So you have 85 total touchdowns in college, 964 rushing yards, almost at a thousand. I hope you can break that this year. 8,869 passing yards in your career so far. You've led Penn State into the AP top five in back to back years. Not really a question here, but just that amount of stats and what you've built up over your college career is, is really impressive. I think I look back at my stats, I had like 3,000 yards, maybe 30 touchdowns in my four years in college. What you've built up over that time is is unbelievable. Um, you look at guys in the Big Ten like that in the back in the day, the JT Barretts, um, you know, Drew Brees. What do you think has kind of led you to be able to sustain this long career in college? You see some guys do it for a couple of years, but to be able to do it for that long is super impressive. Yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, I think I think it starts honestly with the choice of of going to Penn State. That's kind of where it all began for me. Uh, it was a quick, quick recruiting process. You know, I was a you know a four star kid. Didn't really look at the stars though. Uh, really wanted to find a home early and often, so that way I could be a leader in that class. And it benefited. It, I mean, I benefited from it right away. Um, you know, jumped right into the system, started learning it. Um, from a young age, um, and then you know, with the coaching changes and, and different things happening, was able to kind of groove with Coach Franklin along the journey, um, and really felt like I was a team, or I was part of the team from the minute I committed because I was actually fully committed. You know, you see a lot of people bouncing around nowadays. I was 
I wrapped up my recruiting process and said I'm good. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it started for me. Uh, I've never been like a flashy guy. I've been, you know, mostly, you know, all about the work. Um, you know, I have my fun, but at the same time, I, I really do enjoy the work. And, you know, I think it's benefited me for, for a while, um, head down when I came into college and then being able to, to go out throughout my career and, and, you know, stay consistent. It's probably been awesome to have stable coaches there for a long time, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, with 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 the head coach, yes, but you know, I've, I'm at OC number five. Oh wow! Um, I didn't realize that from the minute I committed to now. So, you know, definitely, I would say, you know, Coach Franklin has been that stability that I've needed. Um, but it's you know, it's it's got got its positives and negatives. You know how it is. You know, mm -hmm. being able to to learn numerous systems under numerous OCs. That's super beneficial for me, but at the same time, you know, you look at it the other way. Um, you know, I would have loved to have a couple, um, you know, OCs stay, but at the same time, you know, it's college football. It's how it is. So, with all the success that you've had, statistically wins, all that. Um, now, before I say this, I, I, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks who everybody celebrates right now, like Josh Allen, for an example, is somebody that you're not going to hear anything negative about Josh Allen, literally, even out of an opponent's mouth or the other coach or anything like that. But Kyle, Kyle and I know like there was a time when I had to convince somebody, trust me, he'll be good. Right. And he had to convince himself and there was more hate than love. Right. You've gotten more negative feedback than the stats, than your personality, than your resume, then the the way your your reputation in the locker room, your reputation just in the quarterback community of coaches and private coaches and other, everybody loves Sean Clifford, but but it, but you don't get that on social, but you get negative stuff on social media or you have over time. Like you're 22 right now, but it happened when you were tw you know 18, 19, 20, 21. I love asking guys that have dealt with it before. Like what do you what do you do with that? Yeah, I think that a I got to correct you. I'm 24. You're you know, 24. 24 years old. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for which, directing me. The average is, age right now for college football quarterbacks, by the way, low key, when Georgia plays Tennessee in two weeks, both quarterbacks are 25. That's unbelievable. Hendon that's, and Stetson. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Crazy. So, uh, so you're 24, so you've dealt with it a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit longer than most. But, you know, I think that it goes back to, to how everybody is. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before – People don't understand the position all the time, um, and, and there's a lots of ups and a lot of downs that come with it. You know, I've seen the highs of being a top five program, um, riding that high. I remember vividly back in 2019, we were 8-0, and I was at Plaza Mexican having a burrito with all my buddies um, on the team, and we the, the first college football playoff ranking dropped, and it was Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Tua, and me as the four in a graphic of the top four teams in the country. And at that point I was like, like we, we got go. something. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we go into Minnesota. Like, can I get some salsa too? But this is <laughs> exactly, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> I felt I, we were riding the highs. We were riding the highs, yeah. but I, you know, I was just a young kid at the time. Didn't really understand how to balance it. Cause everybody was on my side at that point. And then Minnesota didn't go our way. And that's where I started to feel the hate a little bit. Um, you know, went, through a lot of ups and downs throughout that year, but then finish out strong, you know, playing the Cotton Bowl, won that game, uh, went 11 and two that year. So super proud of that 2019 team. And then 2020 came. I was coming back because I was, you know, 
I was ready to tear it up. I was I was saying, you know what, I'm going to be that first-round guy. I want to put up those stats. And then COVID hit. Everything went wrong. And, you know, we didn't handle it the best that we could have, in, in, in my opinion. And, and I think that the locker room would say it the same. Um, you know, we went 0-5 to start the year. I got benched on national television. Um, and it was just kind of a rocky road from there. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world, to be honest with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want 2020 to go any other way just because of the – just how it went and and who I am today because I wouldn't want to change who I am today for anything yeah. um, because you know I like to think of myself as a, a hard nose you know what and it's one of those things where for me I would rather take the the rocky road than the easy road every single day of the week because I know who I am and I know what I'm here to do so you know it's benefiting me, me now um, the type of dude that I am and I think that the team is also seeing that because we can keep it even head on um, this whole season yeah, man. I relate to that story a lot. Getting You got benched in 2020. My senior year of college, I got benched after three games, didn't play another snap the rest of the year, and said, fuck it, I'm going to try and go to the NFL and figure out how this works. But the same mindset that you had, right? And going into 2020, you're like, I'm going to ball out. I'm going to be a first-round pick. I can see my future. Like, the whole runway is ahead of me. And then that shit happens, and you kind of grow into this person, like, Obviously, 2020 was probably really tough for you. I remember the year that I got benched. It was tough, but you kind of climb your way out of it and figure out who you are. You say you're thankful for that, but how how tough was that early 2020, maybe even into 2021? How tough was that for you? It was brutal, and I think that it was escalated because of the pandemic. It's because everything was going south anyways. I wasn't... I, I was living on my own in an apartment by myself. So after every single game, I had to sit with all that sadness every single day. And it just kept on building. 0-1, 0-2, 0-3. What the hell is going on? 0-4, 0-5. And, and I was just, you know, I'd go back home and just be in my thoughts. And, and you know, it was definitely a tough time. Um, and to come out, you know, now um, as the as the man that I am, it's, it's something that I am extremely proud of, um, and, and no one can take that from me because I know who I am. Uh, we, you know, we, had a, we had a guy, his name's Shep, come in and talk to us, and something resonated with me. Shep um, Gordon? From Florida? Maybe a different Shep. I think it's a different Shep because I do not know. I, I, my bad, Shep. I okay. don't remember okay. his name. But, you know, he, he always – one of the, his biggest taglines was, the most dangerous man is the one that knows why he's there – and who he is. And that's kind of where in 2020, I really figured out, you know, why I'm here, why I'm on this earth, why I do the things that I do. And I definitely know who I am because I had to, because throughout that whole 2020 year, everybody was telling me why I wasn't that guy and why I don't deserve to play and why I do this, why I do that. So I really had to find it internally to be able to kind of turn that around and, and drive it as a positive. Well, part of the man that you are is an entrepreneur. Um, and I know that you, I remember hearing stories about you coaching quarterbacks and like having a little quarterback business when you were in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for the sake of time, you maybe reference that. But we also, we met, we spent some time this offseason together at the Manning Passing Academy and you were updating me on the NIL side of things. Yeah. You know, maybe just share a little bit about the, I believe that quarterbacks who are chasing it probably any position, any sport, but like chasing it. I, like I work with entrepreneurs. That's who I work with. And I got some eighth graders who are all in on this shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Not about yeah. money, just like trying to advance their life. And so I, I believe that pro athletes are entrepreneurs. And, you know, Kyle has had a year like I have where you're, you're an NFL quarterback, but you don't make a team, so you make zero dollars. 
right? Then you make league minimum, you make a couple hundred grand. That's really good for your age. And then Kyle signs a couple million dollar deal, but Josh got a $150 million wire transfer. You know what I mean? Like, so right. it's really a business, right? There's levels yeah. to it. Um, you are a collegiate athlete. You are a student athlete, but maybe talk through how the entrepreneurship side, what you're doing in NIL. Yeah. Yeah. It started, you know, back in high school. I, I always just love the side of business and I, I just love the grind. I, you know, it's not about the money. Um, for me, it's about being able to experience new things every single day. Um, and so back in, back in high school, I was training quarterbacks. Uh, I had about 10 clients, um, and just was consistent with it. Um, and, and just kind of found that love of sport and business at the same time, uh, went to college, was able to, to go through this whole journey, but you know, we didn't have NIL, you know, for a long time. And then this past year, NIL hit, learned a lot throughout the journey, had a manager who was actually a buddy of mine, and we kind of grinded through the, the stepping stones. And then the minute that I came back, I knew that I wanted to do something different. And I knew that as an older guy in the program and an older guy in college football, I wanted to really set my mark for college sports moving forward. So that's where I really took the next step to be able to create Limitless NIL, which is now a full creative agency. Um, super proud to be able to say it handling over 40 clients um, and then at the same time being able to, to do everything full, all encompassing of creative um, from ideation to creation. I'm actually sitting here in my studio right now downtown, um, which is super cool to be able to say. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a blast. I uh, learned a lot, but I couldn't have done it without this year. So I, you know, I'm super grateful to be back. That's pretty impressive. I mean, 40 clients and you just started it this year too, doing the whole thing. You're sitting in your studio right now. Like that, I mean, at my point in my career, this is like the first time that I've really thought about doing things outside of football and pursuing that part of my career. And so, I mean, you're killing it. And to even hear you training kids in high school too, that's impressive. And we've talked yeah, a lot but, about, yeah, but Sean's talented though. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. killing you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I froze. What was that? I said, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but Sean's, Sean's <laughs> I heard you. Nice try. Um, but we talk about NIL a lot on here. We've had uh, JT, we've had a couple guys on here and it's kind of just like a huge topic because it's basically the wild west right now. Like I feel like anything goes, yeah. people are trying to figure it out. There's not many laws or anything around it. When you're looking at these different companies and these different athletes that you represent and these different opportunities that come in, what do you think is like the biggest opportunity or what do you think is being most overlooked in NIL for different guys right now? Yeah, I think that it is a wild west but there's some people starting to figure it out and the way it really should go because right now we're at a point where you know there's a lot of people just throwing money at a wall and saying here put it in the collective or put it to this kid or whatever it might be but from a business perspective that doesn't make any sense because right. you know the the kids aren't getting enough return the businesses are definitely not getting enough return for the brand because it's just all these one-off deals just to throw money at people so that's kind of where you know I pivoted and said you know what Let's really focus on the brand themselves. Let's focus on the company, really break down who they are, do, go through the, their social media, their audit, go through all those steps, their market research, really dive into it from a, from a deep, deeper perspective and then be able to say, all right, here's the company I have, here's the talent that I have, and how can we enhance both and make money off of it? Because the, 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 the beautiful thing about NIL is if the client helps the business achieve all of its goals, then the business has more money and that's where we can really start talking. So that's kind of where NIL for me is right now. Um, it's about, you know, identifying the problems and finding the solutions. And that's where the fun is, you know, as an entrepreneur, yeah. 
that's what you do. You solve problems. So it's been it's been a blast. Yeah, and I, I just think this thing comes down to distribution. Brands need distribution. It's particularly direct if it's a direct to commerce or direct to consumer brand, um, or if it's a foot traffic brand. I mean, we see raising canes in these brands. You know, like Zaxby's, whatever, throwing money at the local guy to bite off a piece of fried chicken and talk about it on every. I feel like every quarterback's done a you know yeah. fried chicken fast food deal. <laughs> you know, and and, um, and some of them is some of them. I, I can't knock some of them. Some of them have been yeah. fantastic. I've seen some really kick ass deals that have gone through. I'm assuming that the company must have seen a bunch of return because it was super creative, partnered up really well, and just kind of, you know, they actually thought it through. But it's the ones that are just like, I support Pepsi. Yeah. You're not going to buy Pepsi because I yeah. said I support Pepsi. That yeah. doesn't do anything for you. No, they might totally. have this is, with you, though. I don't know. You never know. Maybe. This is distribution, though. I mean, you got to be able to drive traffic for a brand, regardless of what it is. And uh, I went on this quest a year ago and launched the social media stuff. And Jake, who produces our show and, and his team, and and I, I was just documenting my life on Instagram like any dad does, take pictures of my kids, all stuff. And I, I flipped, and like we started it last season by the Super Bowl, we had over forty-five million views. And it was just like, well, hold on, this is a very different discussion with brand partnerships, and it's and and I don't have like a. Fan base. I'm not like the quarterback of a team that has built you, you have built in audience. You got people that care about Penn State, regardless of how good they are this year, regardless of who the quarterback, regardless of anything. I'm 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 buying the new jerseys. I'm buying the hats. I'm going to the game. I'm spending the money anyways. They have those built in. So I love that this problem is is uh, getting solved by somebody who's in it, not somebody who's trying to get into it. So I love that. And I, and you're I think that. The key, the key right now in NIL that I'm trying to drive home is for years and years, for so long, the one thing everybody says is use the network while you have it because once you're out of it, then everyone's not going to care about you. And now it's personified to the biggest level, you know, because when I leave, I could have every passing, passing record in the book. But the minute I leave, I'm not as important as the guy that came is coming behind me and the, the, the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. So that's what really matters for me is trying to set this system and set this program of while you have it, take advantage of it, man, because yeah. that's all that matters is, is really taking advantage of that network now. Well, we could go deeper down this uh, down this for sure. But I know uh, you guys have Michigan. You got a big game this week. Um, want to be uh, respectful of your time. Let's get into this last little piece here. Um, we're going to throw two minutes on the board, man. This is the two-minute drill. Uh, you have a fascinating story. You've shared a little bit of it. But for anybody who's listening, who's like either who is that guy or I've seen him play before, but I don't know anything about him. Or I'm a huge fan. I've loved Sean Clifford since we recruited him. Maybe just go through, you know, we'll start at the goal line and end at the other goal line. But um, two minutes, like what's your journey, bro? Like life, family, faith, football, relationships, all of it, start wherever you start, want to start, but it ends today. Uh, we'll hit mute, man. I'd love to hear your journey. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, you know, started as a, as a kid from Barrington, Illinois, uh, born right outside of Chicago, have my whole dad's side living on that side, uh, but born into a family of John Clifford, Kelly Burke, um, two fantastic parents that have taken care of me since I was born. Um, you know, and then have my brother who is my rock, my dude, um, and absolutely my, uh, you know, the reason I do a lot of the things is to set the standard for, for us together. Uh, moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, right around seven years old, went to St. Xavier High School, which is really important to me because, you know, it built 
the man that I am today, man for others is the, is the motto there. Um, and then went to Penn state as a four star recruit. Um, wasn't a super highly rated kid, but you know, definitely had opportunities across the country. Found myself at Penn state, um, went across, uh, along my journey, freshman year, sophomore year. And then my, my red shirt sophomore year was able to start for my first ever time. Um, you know, got to play in the 2019 year, uh, won 11 and two, like we said, you know, had a really good year. And then 2020 hit, had a lot of ups and downs, got benched on national television, not afraid to admit it. It's a part of my journey. Um, and then going into 2021, started off really hot, was 5-0, and and then ended up getting hurt and wasn't the same player coming back. And, you know, the, the boards, what they were saying wasn't what I wanted to hear. So right away, I wanted to, 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 to come back for my last year, my sixth year. Definitely was the best decision I could have made, was able to create this agency that I make for NIL, Limitless NIL, and now heading into this week, you know, have Michigan on a, on a super big stage. Really excited about um, the team. I'm super thankful for for you know my life right now, and I you know I also uh, I think that I can't forget also my girlfriend. Um, found her also here in in Happy Valley. Um, so you know, family, football, and uh, business is definitely my life. That's awesome, man. I I, uh, I used to hate when people used to tell me this. Like, I'm not worried about you. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, I. That doesn't mean it. It doesn't guarantee me anything. I got to figure right. this out. But I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, of the guys I've been around, you're going to be just fine. You might play football forever. Whenever football's done for you, uh, you probably won't have a transition. You probably won't have a retired. Figure out what I want to do. You're probably going to have an expanding empire. Uh, I'm a fan, dude on the field and off the field and um you know fired up you got a chance to spend some time with us this week on a massive week for you guys and uh thanks for joining us man we gotta yeah, get you back dude those. with more time yeah, we, we gotta I, get hey, you back anytime we can talk anytime, for hours with you man the three of us are kind of like pretty well kyle and i are very very similar and i told you sean like we're very similar you're like yeah we could we could go down some rabbit holes here for I sure feel, i feel like you give us three hours it won't even stop so they probably yeah. won't. You're like a lot smarter than me, and you just talk like a little bit less than Jordan. So it's kind of like the perfect mixture. You know? <laughs> so I'm the perfect yeah. combo. You're saying perfect. Yeah, perfect you, combo. Can, you can actually like talk when you talk, and like sometimes yeah. you just have to like stop Jordan. You know what I mean? But yeah, that might Bring be the value. best compliment I've ever gotten in my, in my life. Yeah, that's so. great. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, good luck, awesome. dude. Thanks for taking the time. Big game. Like, let's. We didn't really talk about the game, but a huge opportunity for you guys this weekend. Number ten versus number five. Michigan has looked good. They've struggled a little bit this year. Um, I'm excited to watch it this weekend. I've been watching a ton more college football this year since we've been talking to college quarterbacks. So we'll be pulling for you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, fellas. Awesome, bro. Well, that was kind of what we thought it would be, hoped it would be, right? Um, fascinating dude. Um, just time constraints on a crazy week. Uh, I mean, we could have gone for three hours with him. Short interview, but uh, a lot of nuggets there. And, and like I said, I mean, it's a fascinating dude. I'm super impressed with him. I was more impressed than I thought I'd be with him. You were talking him up the whole week and and just to hear just the person he is, man. Like he knows who he is. There's so much power between behind knowing who you are and to be able to go through all the stuff that he's been through in college and and kind of just figure out who you are and be confident in who you are. That changes the type of player you are. You and me talk about confidence is the number one thing in quarterbacks. It's the most important trait a quarterback can have. And confidence comes from knowing exactly who you are and being confident in who you are. And there's no doubt that's who he is. Penn State at number 10 right now against the Michigan team at number five, like we just said, who's kind of a little wishy-washy. They didn't have a great game last week. And 
a huge atmosphere. I think if Alabama Tennessee wasn't this weekend, this would be by far the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah, it's a massive one. I actually, I, I like Penn State in this game. Um, and I, I like Sean Clifford. He's played for a couple of years. This is J.J. McCarthy's, what, fifth, sixth start uh, for Michigan. So um, I'm I'm rooting extra hard. Anytime we have guys on here, you know, like we always pay extra attention to the game that week. Um, so I like Penn State. I like Sean Clifford. And uh, I'm glad we got a chance to show some of you guys who are watching this, um, some of the more interesting side of some of these players and, I like that we didn't talk about the game for 30 straight minutes and got to hear a little bit about the other side of his life. So fascinating dude um, and uh, and a great dude. I know how his, his locker room feels about him. And, uh, and that fan base, is can, any fan base, man, they can be a little over the place, have unrealistic expectations. Uh, but he's weathered that storm for a young man and setting himself up for the future for sure. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, well, that's episode nine. Appreciate you guys. If you're still here, thank you for for tuning in. I think we're kind of hitting our stride. We're figuring this thing out, and we got a ton of really good guests coming up. I think the back half of this season, we're going to get a lot of good guys, especially as we go into the college football playoffs. We get later in the NFL season. There's a lot of good matchups coming up. It's crazy. It's already week five. We have our bye week this week, which is crazy. We have bye week week six, and we have 12 games afterwards of the 17-game season. Unbelievable. But um, if you haven't yet, followed us on Instagram. It's The Room with Kyle and JP. Subscribe to our YouTube. That's where this lives on. If you listen to it on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. We've already got like a decent amount of five-star ratings. Appreciate you. Nothing other than five-star ratings, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, keep giving the love, man. Throw us comments. Tell us what you want to hear. We're into doing whatever you guys want to do. We're still figuring it out, but I'm really pumped about where this is going, man. Yeah, I am too. And if anybody has issue with Kyle having 14 pictures behind his head and not me, me being in any of them, um, just put that in the comment section as well too. Uh, if you feel as betrayed as I do, then, um, I think let's show the love. So I just realized um, these are just strictly of me. It's so it's all you, it's, it's all you. I can't imagine. I mean, I know how long it takes you to do your hair. I can't imagine how long it took you to like pick out the best pictures of yourself I look from good probably a now. deep archive. I got like a good jawline right here. That's good. Good, good jaw structure. Um, so we're going to get into the grateful, uh, piece of this. Is that what you're grateful for? Great uh, bone structure or jaw structure? I'm grateful for a fucking win, baby. Mm. First win of the year. There's nothing like a locker room after a win. Like winning cures everything. It's been down in the dumps for the Texans for the last month. Just to get in that locker room after the game, after a win. An ugly win, but a win is a win. It doesn't matter how you win in the NFL. They don't look at the scores at the end of the year. They just look at the record. So... For me, I am super grateful for a win. I can't tell you how good it feels to win, and I can't tell you how hard it is to win the NFL. You know it from experience. Winning in the NFL, regardless of how good your team is, is fucking hard. So I am grateful for a win. What about you? Yeah, you, you can be on a terrible team, like, or you can be playing against a terrible team, but there's still NFL guys on that team. <laughs> a ton of them. Like a whole team full. No one, <laughs> so no even, one sucks. Even a bad team has mm-hmm. great players on it. Anybody can beat anybody for sure. Um, I'm I got a weird one. I'm grateful for holidays. I'm not even talking about like Christmas, the holidays. When we were little kids, I mean, Halloween was it, bro. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're picking that shit out three months in advance. Then you go through a college phase and then it's like, it's these different parties and these different things you're going to go through. Maybe you're going to have two or three different things. I was always into dressing up. Um, But like now having little kids, not babies, but little kids who are into it. I mean, it's a Star Wars theme this year. That's the only hint I'm going to give. But like, it makes me, it brings me, like, I, I'm just as jacked. So, like, Halloween, it's Halloween around my house. My kids are super into it. 
They've already changed their ideas, you know, what they're going to be four times. Um, I'm into it. Um, and I just, I love, and my wife is just the, you know, the house is decorated. The activities are nonstop. And oh, so Dottie kills just, it. Dottie does, kills it. She goes full out. Yeah. In a way that I haven't seen anybody else do. And so, uh, I'm just, I'm grateful for that. I love the holidays and this is the start of it, right? Halloween, we go right into Thanksgiving, which is another one of my favorite holidays, which is right into Christmas and, uh, my son's birthday in there and I got a baby coming in there too. So just like. I just love, I love like this stretch of fall. You know what I mean? Are you going to be Jabba the Hutt? Is this your guy? That's not me, bro. That's not me. <laughs> That's definitely you. No. Here's, here's my hint. Oh, That's it. That's all I'm going to give you. Master Kyle. R2-D2. That's not him either. But close. Anyways, fired up for, and very grateful for, for holidays. It's fun. It's a thing to look forward to every day. So. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in again. Peace. That was good. Peace. Man.